0: Awesome. Okay, am I on? Yes, I am. Thanks so much, Dave. It's really wonderful to be with you all this evening. Um, And I'm not sure if you have been coming most Sunday evenings. Um, If you have, you will probably know that we are busy working through a series about miracles. How amazing. So, tonight, the topic that I'm going to be chatting to you about is the power of your testimony multiplication of your miracle. Okay, so I am going to need a little bit of assistance here, okay? You're not just going to be sitting here tonight and taking in, What yes, there's definitely room for that, that's what's needed, but I'm going to need a little bit of participation, okay? So no heavies on anyone, guys, you don't have to be a champion public speaker, okay? But I am going to ask for some of you to put your hands up, yes? Easy, simple, you've, I'm sure you've got lots of practice, those of you who are still in high school, maybe varsity, I don't know if they are all like that these days at varsity, um, but I'm going to ask for you to answer, and it's not really a, a tricky question, the, the first one I want to find out from you is, maybe you remember from back in the day at Sunday school, children's church, but hey, if you come to church and you read your Bible, you'll know, um, I'd love to hear from you. What are some of the miracles in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, that you can think of, just off the top of your head? Put up your hand. If, if you need a mic, there is one, yeah? Bo will run around if he doesn't mind. Um, but just try to project your voice, guys. We, I'm sure we'll be able to hear. So anything, some of the miracles in the Bible that just come to mind when you think, wow, miracle, you know, throwing aside of signs and wonders, Anyone? Ah, there's one back there. Thanks so much, Sarah. Lazarus, what happened with Lazarus? Rose from the dead. Okay. Any, any others? They're loads, guys. Throw them at us. The parting of the Red Sea back in the Old Testament when the Israelites were getting away from Pharaoh's armies. Yes. Any others? Jesus walking on water. Wow. Amazing. Jesus, the first public miracle, turning water into wine at a wedding, yeah. Any more? Yes, thanks, you the, the, the encounter at Mount Sinai, do you want to elaborate on that just quickly? Awesome, beautiful, beautiful. Any, any one more. Anyone? Feeding of the 5,000, wonderful So. Thanks guys, so there we go. Both Old Testament and New Testament miracles. Now here's one that might take a little bit more boldness from some of you. Is there anyone who is willing to share, maybe more than one, a one-liner of a miracle that God has done in your life? I'll give you an example, okay, here. The miracle, one of the miracles God has done in my life is that he saved my little Two-year-old, at the time, daughter, she's now six, from possible death and really terrible injury when she fell out a window, second-story window. Um, uh, Amazing that she didn't have injuries that were any worse. Uh, She had a broken arm and a broken leg, nothing, which was hectic, but nothing worse. And that was an absolute miracle. Uh, Anyone else want to share their miracle in one line? I'll give you a moment. There must be some impromptu speakers here. Yes, go for it. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. Anyone else? One more. Wow, that is a miracle. You're a miracle. Yeah, today. Thank you for sharing that. Anyone else? One more. A third one. Come on, guys, a third one. I'm waiting. It could be something like, wow, it's a miracle that my parents are still married today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, Shal. Sure. Do, you, do you wanna, there we go. So the one time when I was at a citywide youth gathering um, of uh, uh, teenagers, and I just remember feeling completely out of it, just feeling like I don't belong, at cetera. I was like, Lord, where are you? I feel so unworthy. I feel lost. Just like, if you're there, please do something. Just help. And before I left the building that night, a guy came to me, and he, he said to me, do you feel lost? And it gripped me. I was like, flip, how does this oak know he can read my mind? And that was my first encounter of God um, speaking to me through a word of knowledge. And he just said that he saw me, he saw God, in a vision, he saw God holding me in the palms of his hands. And he just encouraged me with that. And it was spot on. He would not have known unless it was the Lord telling him. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, That Miracles, I mean, we think, we often think a miracle has to be something like the parting of the Red Sea. And you know what? God did that, and he's the same God, and he can do that today, and he does signs and wonders. He's a miracle-working God. But there are what we would maybe say is a small miracle. It is a miracle all the same. So this evening, I want to focus on two things. Why does God work miracles? And then when he does work a miracle in your life, What do you do with that? What do we do with our miracle? So as any good public speaker or debater would know, anyone in the room? (laughs) I'm sure we've got a few. You of course have to define your topic or at least certain key words. So I'm, I'm looking over here at the word miracle. And according to the Oxford Dictionary, What does a miracle actually mean? An extraordinary and welcome event that is not explicable, can't be explained, by natural or scientific laws, and is therefore attributed to a divine agency. And it actually says here, the miracle of rising from the grave, okay? The ultimate miracle, the miracle that is the gist of our faith. So... Let's hear about miracles. So, many, many miracles in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, and we know and we've heard from people here today, God is working miracles today. But tonight, I want to zone in on three particular miracles, uh, and they are all found in Mark chapter 5. So, bear with me, please. Okay, we're going to have, I think it's NIV up on the screens. I'm going to be reading to you from the ESV because I just have to read from an actual Bible, right? Not my app. So if you can follow, I will try and keep your attention as much as possible. But please just try and picture this. I always say when we're we're reading Scripture, it helps to engage with all your senses as far as possible. Okay, so try and imagine being there. Try and imagine, you know, Seeing what was going on, hearing when Jesus was speaking, what he was actually saying. Try and imagine the tone of his voice, his posture. What, what was the weather like? Okay, get into the detail. Experience this. Okay, so let's, let's go. Mark chapter 5. Jesus heals a man with a demon. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, For he was saying to him, Jesus was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave him permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there. Clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim it in the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. The people were amazed. Okay, so we're going to move on to the other two shortly, but I just want to look at this first miracle specifically. So, what do we learn from this portion of scripture as to why God performs miracles? Why Jesus performed this miracle? And what do we go and do with our miracle? Um, So, just a few pointers here that I I thought I I should highlight. How amazing is it that this man, he was a demon-possessed man, tormented man, could not live a normal life that he sees Jesus coming from a distance, and he goes to him, he runs to Jesus. What really struck me about this was there is hope. If you think of the most bound, corrupt, what we would call evil people, situations, cities, countries. There is hope. But what did this man do? He ran to Jesus. You might have been like, oh yeah, but he was demon possessed. But there is that God-shaped void inside all of our hearts that draws us, draws us to him. And this guy goes, and he throws himself down at Jesus' feet. And the demons speak, but you know what the demons do? actually speak some truth there. What? Shock? Horror? Can they? Can they even? They proclaim that Jesus is the son of God. Wow, you hear it right there. So what does this man do? He goes to Jesus, proximity, coming close to our God. Why does God do miracles? He wants us to come close. Then, if you look, okay, Jesus performs the miracle. This man submits to his authority. But then let's just do a little quick aside there. Look at what happens. We think when a miracle happens, when there are signs and wonders, that everyone will be amazed. Yes, that is one aspect. But what was the response of the people to the miracle? When they arrived and saw this man who was a crazy man, demon-possessed man, all of a sudden, absolutely like healed and clothed and in his right mind. They were afraid. Sometimes when we can't understand things, we become afraid. And I want to encourage you here. Fear is a tactic of the enemy. It comes in to separate you from God. He wants to create distance. We want to run. What did they what was their response to Jesus when they were afraid? Uh, they begged him to please leave the region. I want to encourage you when you feel fear. I don't know if you I'll just tell a little story. I wasn't planning on, on actually sharing this story, but I remember as a teenager. So I've known Jesus since I was 5. Um And I remember having conversations with him as a teenager. God, I'm scared to get to know you more. What? Yeah, I'm scared to get to know you more. Because I'm really worried that, like, I'm going to become a really weird person. Like, I'm going to become, like, someone who hides away from society and just doesn't, like, I'm going to have to go and hide out in a cave and I'm going to be out of touch completely. But here's the deal, guys. The more we spend time with our Father, the more we walk in obedience to Him, okay, when we hear Him, because we know Him and we know His ways, the more He transforms us into His likeness. And wow, I want to be like Jesus. Was He someone that, could not relate to people? Was he someone who hid away in a cave? Or was he the most relatable, loving, passionate person to have ever existed? So I wanna encourage you, when you don't understand, when you don't understand what God is doing, run to him. Don't run away. When you run to him, you become more like him. So there we go, like, how, how beautiful is this? But here's the thing, what do you do with your miracle when Jesus does that miracle in your life? What did this man do? He wanted to draw close. He said to Jesus, I, I, I wanna come with you. You know, he, he did, he became one of Jesus' disciples. Of You know, there were the 12, but there were many. He wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus said to him, no, dude, I've got a mandate for you. And that mandate is you need to go. You need to go and tell your friends. You need to go and tell your family, your community about what I've done. And they're going to see it. You don't have to even tell. You don't even actually have to use words, really. They'll see it. And not only did he go back to his friends and family, but he went to, I think it's the Where's the word? De, De, Decapolis. Decapolis, dec, okay. Latin for 10. It's 10 cities in the region that were quite well populated that he went and he actually preached and shared. And people were amazed. People will be amazed when you share your testimony, your miracle will be multiplied. So that's, that's the first of the three. I'm going to move on now to the next two. So I'm going to read the rest of the chapter, but then I'm going to speak to the two separate miracles. There's one, they call it the sandwiched story or the sandwiched miracle here. Uh, you'll see why. It's sandwiched between another one. So we're going to go back onto the screen. Jesus heals a woman and Jairus' daughter. And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter He said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he pulled them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talita Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Okay, wow, another two beautiful, powerful miracles. So let's look at these two, some significant points Um, that come come out of these two. So we're going to first look at the woman with the issue of blood. Anyone heard that story before? You've read that story? It's quite a well-known one. So this woman, they say, probably had, I might not be able to pronounce it correctly, I know there's some doctors in the house, okay? Feel free to correct me. Uh, Menorrhagia was probably the disease that she had, and that is... Prolonged menstruation for twelve years. Okay, ladies here, yeah. yeah, um, yeah, <clears throat> twelve years. Okay, but to the extreme, to the extreme. So think probably excruciating cramps, uh, just not being, not having energy. You know, all the just what, what that would do to your body, not being able to live a normal life. 12 years. Now, this woman was desperate. What does she do? Now, if people knew who she was, because she wasn't a crowd, but she was seen as unclean. And for her to brave those, those crowds of people, she probably lived in isolation. She braved the crowd so she could get to the miracle maker. She believed, she knew that he could heal her. And that all she needed to do was to touch his clothing, his garments. And she reached out and touched him. And she was healed. Um, So, wow. Um, Here's an interesting thing. Jesus actually felt the power going out of him. So he knew. And he, and he, he wanted to address her. So she reached out. She wanted to be close. And he did not ignore that. He did not... He, he wanted to look at her. He wanted to say to her, daughter, you're healed. And then, he gave a mandate. And maybe it wasn't as detailed as the mandate to the demon-possessed man. But he said, go. Go. Live your life. Share your story. Let the people know. Okay, so, I want to compare the first two stories to what happens with Jairus' daughter. Now we know Jesus goes again. Okay, so Jairus, he goes to Jesus. He knows. He's got the faith. I mean, I'm not going to go into that. Often when we talk about miracles, and I think it has been touched on, we talk about faith. We need to have faith. We need to believe. Remember, the miracle working power, it's all him. It's not you and me. Okay? Why do we have faith? In obedience, we have faith because we need to know the God who is our healer and we need to know his character. Okay, so that's just a bit of an aside there. So here, Jairus he goes to Jesus and he asks him, he petitions him, Master, knowing the power that Jesus carries. Then Jesus does eventually, after the little sandwich story there, the sandwich miracle, he goes to the home. He raises her from the dead. He calls. He says she's sleeping. The mourners are already there. Okay? They're like, she's dead. She's raised from the dead. Yeah, Jesus raises her. But yeah, interesting one. Does Jesus say to them, go and tell everyone? So when I read this, it puzzled me a little, and so I did a little bit of research and I prayed a little bit about it. And because what is what does Jesus say? He says he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give us something to eat. So what is so interesting about that last line? You know what I find so amazing? Our God is such a practical God. He. The ins and outs, the little things in our lives he is interested in. So, there was a crowd of people mourning. Imagine this little girl has just been raised from the dead. She's been ill and she's died. Her family have been through hectic, hectic mourning and all mixed emotions. And now, wow, their daughter is alive. So, imagine now everyone, the crowds that would rush in usually, are other miracles that were performed, imagine the crowds rushing in on this little girl and her family when this has just happened. Jesus is like, guys, don't go and tell anyone. Just please. He also needed to get out, you know, quickly and go on to what his father's assigned him to do next. Yeah. So if you think practicalities and then significance of the give her something to eat, Do you know that that is also proof of life? Okay, because here this little girl is eating while she is actually alive and well. She was ill. If she was ill, she probably couldn't eat. Now she's here, and she's actually able to eat a meal and needs to be strengthened and nourished. Our God is a practical God. But do you think he didn't know that everyone will find out about this miracle? Because she's going to leave the room sometime. And people will see that she is alive and well. The mourners who are there because they've just heard that she's dead, wow, they will know. So here's the thing. Sometimes your miracle, you don't even need to verbalize it. It is clear. The power of what God has done in your life, you just just need to live it. You need to walk it out. And that will multiply your miracle. So I want to encourage you there. Be courageous in that. So from these three stories, why does God work miracles? Now there are many reasons, but I want to zone in on a few. First, he cannot help but perform miracles. He is the miracle worker. It is who he is. But then also, it's to show us his character. You know, so many people speak of this God that they believe in. But, you know, when we're actually, we ask ourselves, yes, yes, I believe in God, but What is he like? What is he like? You need to know his character. So let's look at a few characteristics from some of these stories that we can highlight. But these characteristics just draw us closer. He's a personal God. He knows you by name. He knows every little detail of your life. And he's interested. He is interested. He is kind and compassionate, loving, all-powerful. Every knee must bow. Even those principalities and powers, well, they know they better bow. Faithful and faithful. tells us to have faith. Well, he demonstrates faith in his father. He is encouraging and affirming. He tells us, like he says to the woman with the issue of blood when she's healed, go, go and live, go and walk in your healing, no more suffering. He is bold, yet he is so humble. He is practical And he is eternal. So those are just a few characteristics why he wants to demonstrate his character to us. Why does he want to demonstrate his character? So that we will draw close. He wants to draw people to himself. He wants to give glory to the Father. When you have your miracle. When he performs that miracle in you, and that first one was, of course, that resurrection power, when you were like, yes, Jesus, I want you. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. There, that, that praise that rises up inside of your heart, that all glory to the Father, that is why he performs miracles. So the Father will be glorified. He gives us a glimpse of heaven, heaven on earth. He reminds those principalities and powers and everyone else who's actually on the throne. So, those are a few reasons for your why. So, this is why. But now, what do you do when He performs that miracle in your life? Those miracles. How do we respond? Well, you go. You go and tell your friends. You go and tell your family. Often, you'll need to use words. Sometimes you won't even need to use words. But I want to encourage you, when he does that miracle in your life, go to him. Go to him, keep going back to him, keep going and sitting on your daddy's lap and hearing from him and start walking in step with him because then you'll know how to give a testimony of that miracle working power. You'll know how to give an account for what it is that you believe when you're walking in step with him because you've been sitting on his lap. I also want to encourage you, you might be sitting here this evening and be thinking, you know what, I don't know if God's ever done a miracle in my life. And I've prayed for a miracle, but I I don't know if he's actually answered. He didn't answer how I wanted him to answer. Well, I want to tell you if you know him, he's done a miracle in your life that's a miracle. That resurrection power in your life is a miracle. And he wants to do more miracles. Again, we don't always understand. You know what's beautiful about our God, though? He is not a God who is so far off and unknowable. He is a God who invites us in Sure, there are some things we will never know. We will never make sense of everything. If we could, I mean, he's God, not us. But Jeremiah 33, verse 3, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. He wants to share his heart with us. He wants to share the heart of the Father. Closer, get closer. He's there. So if you're disappointed, if you're hurting, if you're offended, if you're sad, I've got a two-year-old. Okay? I've got four little girls, but my youngest. okay, She's two and a bit, and boy, does she know how to throw a tantrum. Okay, If you're going to throw a tantrum because you're upset, and you know what? You're allowed to. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to ask God why I don't understand. I'm in pain. Why are you not answering the way I want you to answer, the way I thought you would? You're allowed to. He's a gracious father, but how you respond during that time is key. Go and throw the tantrum on his lap. Throw the tantrum on his lap. Don't run away. He is so kind, and so patient, and so loving. He'll guide you, you might need to discipline you, okay? But that's because he loves you, he loves me, he does it so graciously, so graciously. So yeah, I I wanna really encourage you to hear this. If anything, for your miracle, when he's worked it, when he's done it, he's performed it in your life, or if he hasn't yet, or in the way you expected, run to him, don't run away. And then, go and testify to his goodness. They're just enclosing two verses I just wanna share with you about the power of your testimony, because that is miracle working power. In itself. Um, so I think yeah, Shaw, and um, these are the two little ones I gave you there at the end. How powerful is this? Knowing your testimony. Revelation twelve, verse eleven. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. It is your weapon your testimony the word of course is your sword that is that is weapon but your testimony has miracle working power because it draws people close to that miracle working god that you know and then you know peter tells us okay to always be ready to give an account of our faith be ready to testify so uh, if we just go to there, 1 Peter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. Okay, about, you know, the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So be ready. And so we're going to be going into a time of worship, praise and worship now. But I want to encourage you during this time, I want you to hear from God. I want you to take some time to think about your testimony. And of course, there's the testimony of when you came to faith. That's a really important testimony. But God is working in our lives all the time. He doesn't stop. So Are there some miracles that have been happening in your life? Are you ready to testify about those things and to give an account as to why you believe it was God who did those things in your life? So tonight during worship, I want to encourage you, hear from God, reflect on those times, write some stuff down, make some notes on your phone. If you've got a notepad and pen, write it down. And we'll we'll have a little bit of ministry time later, but I want to encourage you, hear from God tonight. As you worship, you know, he's drawing you in, you're worshiping your father, but it's a key time where he speaks during worship. So worship team, over to you guys, really excited for this time where we really now get to draw close to our miracle working God. Guys, I know sometimes we are tempted to just sit back and retire. I know it's that time of the year, but it's a new week. Connect with your Father. Draw close. Don't run away. Thank you, everyone.